Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is your enchantress, Hedera Bindwood. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Incantation Nation. This is our lucky number 13th episode. That's right, one full lunar calendar year. Also, quarantine week 39, almost an entire pregnancy. Yo, um, the silent presence in the room, Aaron. What episode was it of Game of Thrones? This is not a quiz show in some pagan bar. What episode of uh, Game of Thrones was the one where Melisandre birthed that shadow carcinogenic smoke baby? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're my anchor here, man. Shit. Anyway, you guys remember when that happened? That would be what a quarantine baby would look like if we were to birth something because we went up in this bitch. That's nasty. I don't like the way that sounds. Anyway, we've been in this room for 39 weeks, which is long enough for a human gestation. But in case you don't know, J.R.R.R.R.R. Martin wrote a bunch of books about dragons and stuff, and my cat is headbutting the door. Anyway, there's this witch named Melisandre, um, A-plus for name creativity. Anyway, she's doing a thing with, um, what's-his-name's blood? Shit. I forgot his damn name. You know, the one that was, Baratheon's son, but turned blacksmith, slept with Arya, and then the show was over. Do you remember that? Yeah, I didn't know the name of And shit. Anyway, a quarantine baby would end up looking like Melisandre's smoke baby thing. She did bad magics. So, Neve and I had a phone call that we would just do some construction paper vag lips over the door of our bedroom so I could just be reborn into the world. <laughs> okay, no one's not. Anyway, Brad with our lead engineer, how are you? <laughs> how are you, sweetheart? I'm doing swell. I'm now contemplating rewatching Game of Thrones. Yeah, just for that one episode, right? That's a big thing. I remember that. It was a good episode. I had like one of those I, what the fuck moments. Oh my God. Did you ever see Leslie Jones's Game of Jones? <laughs> no. Why is it? Okay. My cat is knocking at the door. Listen, incantation nationalists. If at any point you hear a sound that sounds like two cats in a dishwasher, it's actually. <laughs> My cats are have quarantine fever, and I think they're going to get into a fight because temperatures have been running hot all day today. And the the familiars and the housemates' 
we all have quarantine fever. Um, oh, my. The world is crazy. Brad, but say some words so I can take a sip of my <clears throat> water. This is great. Clears this. Um, yeah, no, the world's definitely crazy right now. I think, what you say, week 38? Week wow. 39. That was a good lead. I love, yes. Week 39, you know, pregnancy? No, you wouldn't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, wait. Let me not presume. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, no, that's, uh, that is an interesting thought. I might have more words on that um, analogy of yours later and your interesting choice of words. I mean, just think we'll about see. it. I mean, yeah, I said it. I mean, this is a, listen, this is a sliding scale rating. On the show, we go from we go from rated R to to like yeah, probably not stuff that Pam wants on her station. But you know, I don't know that she listens to every episode of what we're doing over here <laughs> in Kansas. <laughs> oh my Hi, goodness! Pam. All right, we're. Where is our, I was just going to say, where's our antagonist in chief? That's me. That is, it's Mario time. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I don't know. Ask me a difficult question. What is this, the freaking MCATs or something? Yeah, definitely not an interview podcast or anything. No, no. But this is why you are the lead antagonist, the antagonist in chief, or whatever the hell it is I called you. Cool. Okay, this episode is kind of going to be a combo pack of hearing people when they're silenced and what. The relationship is, or do you see a relationship um, to visions? I guess some people could call them premonitions, um, forebodings, I guess portents, whatever you want to call those feelings. It is not always some super clear psychic phenomenon. Um, But those things are kind of the same. It develops what I usually call listening with a capital L. Um, My offspring, including the shadow baby that I could birth at any time now because I've been up here in the attic for 39 weeks. Um, my offspring will tell you <clears throat> that listening is when you use more than the governmental allotted five senses to come to know a thing. It's when the knowing, also with the capital K, because I'm a big fan of that, um, shows up in your brain hole and you really don't know how to words how it got there. Some people get a feeling. 
some people hear the answer. Some have visual, like, how could you say, almost like a commercial for the show, but the TV's on mute. You know what I'm saying? So you see the, like, snapshot of the video, the imagery, but you don't really hear anything, and you're like, hmm, not quite deja vu. What the hell was that? So we're going to have that conversation as best we can with what we're going to call modern English. Everybody who's cool with that, raise your hand. Okay, that's no one. All right, awesome. Brad Wick. Yes. What are you doing? I don't. You just asked. You just called my name. I said yes. Hello. How can I assist you? <laughs> See, this is why your work evaluation said needs work, customer care. That's this is why right here. <laughs> um. So anyway. Was your week this week since last week? And did you enjoy the clips of Rudy Giuliani having his press briefing slash pretend hearing? Did you like that? <laughs> Just let it go. I can't. I can't. I Listen. Can't. <laughs> you can't. Look what you did to me. <laughs> Here's the thing. We are rebranding professionalism. Listen, we talked about this. If all your responsibilities are taken care of, all your P's are crossed and your Q's are dotted, then you should be fine. You can cut up and be a professional. So if you are losing your shit and snorting and chortling just on the show like you do, as soon as we close out the show, you guys, he goes through this apoplexy of, like, snorting and chortling and laughing. And I don't know what happens. It sounds like he's turning inside out. No, that's prolapse. And oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Brad is also a clutcher of pearls. No, seriously, what did you think of this past week's politics um, go? Um, so, uh, well, for starters, I will be honest. I did not, I did not have the mental capacity to really follow too, too much of the politics this week. I was, you know, I was busy at work. I was busy doing a couple other things. I was also busy mm-hmm. taking a look at your mm-hmm. fable from last week again and kind of dissecting mm-hmm. that. But the couple of little tidbits I did get um, were mostly of Rudy Giuliani. Sorry? Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, clips were there? Uh, well, oh. it was... Uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, passing gas, uh, next to his <laughs> lady friend there in the courthouse. I'm telling you, I don't understand how it was. Like, when we watched it, 
It was pretty loud, okay? And that's with <laughs> having a microphone. So I, know. I can only imagine how it actually sounded in person. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and then we've got this other guy. I don't even know who he was, but I, I watched the clip of him losing his tooth in the middle of speaking. Like, <laughs> you know, then Giuliani also got COVID. I mean, they're just sitting there, like, decaying before our eyes, and it's really entertaining. <laughs> I think that's when I said, welcome to Madame Tussauds Wax Museum of Politics. (laughs) (laughs) And you lost your shit. And I said, you know what? I think we've taken a hard left into crazy town. Oh, certainly. But you know, but isn't this what happens when you put hormonal, which is up in the attic? Rim's not an attic. It's the senior center. Really, it's not a senior center. There's no elliptical bikes here. It's just two rooms, five cats, and a TV. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. But, yeah, Brad, we're going to have to break down your preconceived notions about what professionalism is. Because, um, look, we got away with, you know, no bras, no shoes at the shop, swearing encouraged. We would have, like, shot a clock on the reg, but we delivered quality care, expertise, and gorgeous handcrafted artwork and supplies and no one ever noticed that I'm four foot ten. No wait, maybe they did. Talk to me, Bradwick. Neve, how was your week? All right. Um I don't know. Oh, I don't uh, I don't think that yeah. I would say that this week has been I don't know, there's this ever-looming anticipation that I briefly talked about with you when you were waking up from a nap, so neither of us was very coherent. Um, Is this before or after they brought me the applesauce? So what did you in say? In the senior center. Well, when you say you the were what? waking up taking a nap, and I just finished talking about the activities coordinator in the senior center just makes me sound like I have no teeth and therefore I don't even qualify for sliced apples. I just get applesauce now. No, I mean, I mean, you've got good teeth, which is one of the things that like, (laughs) wow. Yeah. No, we're going, this is like Dr. Seuss's fucking train going off (laughs) of the you know what I'm talking about. Green eggs and ham. It's just going right off the No, box in a box. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Going straight into the water. But, yeah, this is going to be that show. You know why? COVID. Okay. Smash cut back to Neve. Hi. 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 So how was your week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I said, ever ever looming uh, uh, a sense of anticipation. I'm not sure yeah. for what. It's one of those things, but not like in the long term. Like I'm really excited to get my degree. 
not that shit. Right. More like right. I'm really excited to take this shower because I have a show that I'm gonna. I mean, I have the next episode of some show that I'm gonna watch, but I'm not fucking watching anything. <laughs> like I don't have anything to do. I don't have anything to do after this. But like I'm like, ooh, if I get this task done, then I'll get to do this thing. I don't have anything lined up though. So like, what the fuck? That's how my week's going. Anyone, how are you? Can anyone help? Neve, we need a running list of shows that are rated four star and above. Don't send us any two and a half stars bullshit unless you can provide three references that I know personally who will vouch for your choice. That's someone saying. I, because okay, so if, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this and people suggest shows for me, I want people to know that my absolute favorite show in the entire world is Hannibal. It is. Oh, yeah, we know. So, like, know. Uh, use that as, like, a like a, a gauge. Um, I will not fucking watch Game of Thrones, so <laughs> use that as another guide because nothing with explicit sexual violence. So, thank you. No, we got it. We got it. And we appreciate that because it is not a thing. It's a thing. But it should not be a thing passed yeah. off as entertainment. I don't care what the I'm overarching. Into, I'm not yes. into shows that use uh, uh, sexual abuse as a, um, a as like a shock value. Like, oh, this show is so like risky, and it's like, no, it's just misogynistic. Right. right. Well, speaking of That's politics, just misogyny. It's not. It's not risky. It's not trendy. It's just misogyny. Get that shit out of here. So uh, yeah, back to Hannibal. I uh, love some. No, no, like, no, no, no. That's a deep dive. No, that's a deep dive. That's a bonus show. Bradwick, I made a mistake. Where's the mute button? <laughs> Somebody Brad, tap the Brad, control don't room do glass. It. Bradwick, no. <laughs> she just went down the drain. Wrong commercial, but we love her for it. Um. The foreboding sense of just like anticipation, but it doesn't feel right. Almost like a guillotine is hanging over your neck type feeling. Is that what you would liken it to? That's a little moss joke. Oh, she is muted. I like it. Okay. <laughs> um, you said that the fable... And we're going to talk more about that because I did get questions and emails and what the fuck. And I get it. It's, it's um, the fable, which is featured on all eight of the Village Laughing Brook pages on Facebook, is 56 stanzas, we learned. So that's minus five for House Aaron Sovereign. Sorry. Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw. Yeah. Used to be, but they're transphobic, so mm. by that. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, people have been telling me that it's a lot to process. It's like an emotional four by four. Not necessarily even that it's shocking or rated NC-17. It's just there's something 
Unitiquo. I can't explain it. Bradwick, you said it's been with you for a week. Tell me why. Tell all of us why. Why what? Why people like it? Why are all of us choiceless in to obsess or not obsess? It's just, well, I'll talk about my reaction in a minute, but why do you think it just stayed in the forefront of your mind or even it hung in the back, but you knew it was there? So what's up with that? Um, well, I, I think with, with the individuals that I've spoken with, the reason it's so, <coughs> excuse me, so prevalent still is because of the nature in which the fable came to be, for one. Right. You know, that, right. that it doesn't just happen. You know, when people write things of this length, it takes a lot of time. I mean, you wrote right. 56 stanzas, at um, an average of two minutes per stanza, and I yeah. I told you I need I need a lot more time to figure out what words rhyme with what. <laughs> I can't just like I'm gonna spend a good like maybe ten minutes on one stanza. And when I say like how to rhyme, I'm gonna be like, okay, what rhymes with made? Bade, right? Dade, Cade, laid. Like I like, not. To do that, yeah, Sorry, to no. do that in two minutes is fascinating, and to know that it came from um, a trance state, um, mm-hmm. and you know, so I think that in itself gave us a feeling of like, okay, this is this is something important. There's something more to this. This wouldn't just come out of nowhere, um, right? you know, there's a reason for this. So I think some of us mm-hmm. started taking it apart to find the mm-hmm. reasoning and, I, and and to kind of dissect it to see what was really going on. And as, mm-hmm. I mean, at least as what I was doing that, I was seeing a lot more correlations between the writing and some of the conversations I've had with you and then just other things that I already knew that I had been feeling. So, right. um, yeah. Right. Well, oh, and well, go ahead. More, more from your face. Well, clearing I just, your throat sounds like you're like gonna uh, sing an aria. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, you know, no, I? I was just looking at a message uh, here that um, we're actually gonna have them on in a little bit, so they might be able to expand on this. Um. But they're saying that this could have also been a case of automatic writing. Well, and I'm sure that perhaps that is one opinion that could be had about that. Um, And there are many schools of thought about why and how we do what we do when we witch diversely um, because what one person will call automatic writing, another will simply call it trance work, um, another will call it 
simply a loss of inhibition, but I think also for you specifically, you're kind of caught because you also know the writer. So you're able to see the piece compared to, it's like holding up a license next to my face and going, mm, yeah, no. This woman is clearly 30 years younger. It's like, listen, it's been a hard quarantine, okay? Just give me the fucking six-pack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's real talk. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to guess that you have Amstel van der Dam on the line. She's um, from Holland. Yeah. Just kidding. Is she on? Is she in the abyss? Uh, no, she's not in the abyss yet. She was lost somewhere online. Just kidding. Um, but was there anything about, okay, so say that you didn't know me personally and mm-hmm. you had read that piece, aside from its Beowulf length, um what what about it was transfixative? What about it was like okay, so that happened. What was what was your visceral reaction to it? Ooh. That's a good one? question. Was it vomiting? Well you you know what you felt? I, I... <laughs> No, I think my, my – I don't know if there's a good way for me to answer that. Again, because I know you, I think my visceral feeling is based off of me knowing the writer. hmm Like, if, if – yeah. now, had I not known you, had I right. just been scrolling and I just been a listener and I happened to read this, I would have definitely had a different take on things um, that would have been – influenced by my previous listenings of this show. Okay. Which is going to be a different take than knowing you. Um, right. Because, and perhaps you may have or could have drawn some conclusions about it. You know, context is everything. And had you not known these things, you probably would have made some assumptions or drawn some conclusions that it took longer than exactly two and a half hours to write 56 stanzas, you know? Maybe. Right. That's a thought. So, but you're in England, or were, you were awarded a, um, a forklift license for English from construction site at the end of the street. Is that right? <laughs> Sounds like you hesitated. You hesitated. You lost me at the at the forklift at the end of the street. Why isn't that what happened? (laughs) I I I don't know. (laughs) Um, I I I mean I did get a a, a, an English degree from the University of North Carolina. So that means you're super smart in the words. Oh, um, yes, yes. 
barely got that damn degree. Right? Now I have to see. First no, I have to ask you for a curriculum vitae, and now I've got to go get a transcript. Oh, boy. Tired. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So what we're talking about this evening, in case you are just joining us at 8.30, show started at 8, just kidding. Um, this is episode 13, quarantine week 39. Um, what we're talking about is listening with a capital L and how that is done and what that looks like and feels like. And there, you're only allowed if you're a muggle or a recovering muggle. You may be operating under the idea that you only have five senses: um, touch, taste, sound, uh, sight, uh, smell. Thank you, Aaron Sovereign. Um, but see, even those five senses excludes your sense of balance. So it's like, what the hell kind of bullshit food pyramid of bodily senses is this crap? It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> that was funny. Anyway, so when you witch one of the first things that you have to break down is your attachment to these carved in granite or Carrera marble um, ideas about what is knowing a thing with a capital K. And what does it mean to participate with the everything, and yes, I am capitalizing the E on that word as well, because when you practice craft for 38 years and you've looked inside academia, outside academia, you know, around to the, you know, left of the main door of academia, it's just you have to break open these constructs that you've been fed and have been reinforced for years, a decade plus a couple, depending, um, on how to think, regard, and culturally understand these things. And Western culture has such a tight and firm grip on consciousness and navigating the mind and the body and the relationships between the two, it takes time to kick your way out of those boxes and say, this is bullshit. I'm not wearing this cardboard box. I'm going to explore my world and my understanding of it. And that knowledge, again with a capital K, is going to arrive at you. And don't be afraid of using, you know, some, some circular logic um, because there is no vocabulary. There is no language for understand, understanding listening. Um, and when I say that, 
it's not just are you listening for voices from, you know, the ancestors or the elementals or deities or the others. It's also listening to your immediate surrounding. Erin, you mind if I tell you a story on voice? Well, we did we talk about it when I was on, but yeah. We're going to do it again in case nobody heard last week. Okay. So I said, Erin, what's it like outside? And she goes, I don't know. She looks at her phone. They say, no, Erin, what's it like outside? And Erin goes downstairs, comes back upstairs and says, I don't know, it's kind of like humid, maybe maybe like 70 degrees. I said, okay, you're giving me these two-dimensional answers here, ma'am. And she gives me this face like, bitch, what do you want me to explain about outside? I said, I want you to go downstairs and stand out there. This is like one of the days, Randwick, when it was like like just about to, the sky was about to open up and just like oh, yeah. rain and storm. Yeah, there was like some hurricane, tropical storm, iota, phi theta. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> <clears throat> but it comes back after 20 minutes. <laughs> she was gone for a while. But she comes back upstairs and she's looking gaunt and she's ready to cry. And I'm like, whoops, this is one of those moments when, you know, apprenticing and teaching someone witchcraft, I mean, they think they know how the curriculum's going to show up. You know, you get your little books and your notebooks and no, no, that's not how this works. So she came back upstairs in a, in a state of mind. And I said, okay, tell me what it's like outside. And because I explained that you have to listen, capital L, with your whole body. Close your eyes, let go of what you hear, spread your arms out, and listen everything that you are. And I said to her, tell me what it's like outside. And I got the whole chin quiver, like, the answer was pain and angry and this anticipatory, you know, there was just this dualistic suffering and pain and and anger and frustration at the same time, it felt, to me at least, like there was a gearing up for something more. And listening, with a capital L, involves more than what you think it will. And it takes time. And how well you're able to unravel yourself and participate in your environment, in the everything, is a measure of how far you are going in your craft. Some people think it's just the tumbler witches and this aesthetic, and once you get the candles and 
the seashells, I guess, I don't know, and the, you know, the headscarf or whatever the, you know, people are doing. I don't know what they're doing. They look like they've walked out of Bound Trader or something, the Concord Mills Mall. But they think they have the aesthetic that they understand what being a witch is. And I'm sorry, you can't slap on a rosary and instantly understand the papacy. I'm just going to say. The Reformed or recovering Catholics in the group will understand what I just said. With that, we're going to throw back over to Bradwick Peach. Peach, do you have anybody in the abyss? I do. I do. I have our Lumsy on stealth. Did I say lovely okay, or did I stumble on my words? Did I say Leslie? You know what? I don't know. I don't know that anyone's quite sure what she just said. You know, but it was professional. <laughs> We're redefining professional these days. I'm still hi. How are you? I am. You know, I am not in a position that I can complain. I am so blessed. What? Is that heels to the wind, or what position is that? Never mind. See, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> I'm I in a place of it. gratitude. That's what I mean to say. That's gross. Don't get any of that on me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. You know, Thanksgiving was last Thursday. Anyway, um, so we have been talking about listening with a capital L, um, as I would call it, and what that has to do with what all can be quote unquote quote heard or understood um, when a feeling or an understanding or a knowing shows up at us in a way that we are quite unfamiliar with or even uncomfortable with um how would you describe how you individually listen with a capital L? Is it a feeling? Is it a smell? What? What is it? Oh, wow. My my personal practice of SAVE is multifaceted. Well, not the um, practice. I'm asking specifically about your knowing you know you're My, when, yeah when you get these impressions or right exactly or, they're those those impressions they're they're fluid they're not always the same thing sometimes they're images sometimes they're feelings sometimes i hear um i hear whispers um mm-hmm. i you know the the experience is never the same thing twice for me personally okay um do do you have a particular way of do you know under what circumstances you are most likely to have your feelers out and receive something or you know sometimes even going out searching the everything for a vibe or a knowing with a capital K. 
how would um, your yeah the way that you're most likely to do that? What would that look like? For me personally, um, interestingly enough, that's driving. Um, okay. Like long country, long winding country. Because I'm from the deep south. We have long, okay. narrow, winding country roads. Very um, dangerous. Right. <laughs> I do not recommend this. This is not something I recommend to people. Um, it, it basically, um, quote, unquote, I'm using air quotes here. Do not try this at home, kids. Um, Indeed, disclaimer. Do not um, do not practice save or any type of um, trance work while driving or operating a forklift. See? Badwick, right. I brought this shit back around to that license you got. Um, but for me, I, I fell into it when I, I used to work a lot of, I worked in retail for a long time, and I would work really late night in the middle right. of BFE, and the right. roads would be absolutely empty, and my radio mm-hmm. wouldn't be on, and so it was just me and my thoughts, and that's how I would get into that. Um, mm-hmm. But now that I've been in quarantine, um, because I sew and I knit, um, anything mm-hmm. with deep, rep- uh, repetitive uh, muscle memory yep. motion, so I've been working on hand sewing um winter holiday gifts. Yeah. So those um, very easy, um, very easy for me to get into that pattern. And if I have access to it, and for me personally, a rowing machine, that is my favorite way to trance out because um, Mm -hmm. I have severe ADD. So when my body goes into the rhythm, when I get my breathing. Right. Right. So I think that you've made a very important, well, two very important points. One, there's a dog barking. So three, yes. three. Is that Stella? No, that is Aria. She is our German Shepherd guard dog. She doesn't understand okay. that there are people coming home during the holidays and that she doesn't have yeah. to announce that there are people outside the door all the time. <laughs> well, because you know why? Aria knows that they should have stayed their ass home. And ordered online. Exactly. But that's just, exactly. you know, that's kind of, better than we are. Um, but back to the two important or three important points. The first was, was Aria. The second is, has quarantine provided your craft? And I'm speaking to everyone within the, the range of my show's listening audience. Um, is it is, is has quarantine afforded you an opportunity to change or improve your craft that you don't think would be possible elsewise? Not a word. Absolutely. I have absolutely yeah. had to adapt in the face of this, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So do you think you would have covered as much ground if your world was still the same chaotic, frenetic, busy, busy, busy that it used to be months ago? You know, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know how to answer that per se, but it's like, I'm think- the, the thing that comes immediately to my mind is Robert Frost, The Road Less, tra- Less Traveled. Right, right, I, right. It's not necessarily... Um, it's not right. necessarily um, one way or the other. It's just that this is just a different path. 
right. and it's just steered towards a different way. It's not that one's better than the other. It's just it's just a different way. Right. And the other question or point that you brought up was the distraction of the physical body, whether that's through um, a continuous sensation or even repetitive um, motion, whether that's knitting or spinning or dealing cards or um, being on a bike and just because that's a continuous thing. You distract your physical body. I have these crazy mind explosions of connections and stuff when I'm sitting in the shower because I, um, my house is very spectrum and auditory processing issues um, and tons of air magic in my house. So storytelling and talking is a thing we don't have to caffeinate about. But what that you brought up that point, do you find that there's different ways for you to get into a space of receptivity for these this listening? If you go get on the bike for a half an hour or twenty minutes or you know, row for however you long you row or knit a sweater or whatever. I don't knit. Well, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about Erin earlier making her go outside and, and listen with a capital L to, to nature. Yeah. yeah. Um, as much as I love yeah. my fiber art, um, the human body, because I work from home now, the human body is, in my opinion, not meant to sit for extended periods of time. You really, truly right. have to get physical activity. And working from yeah. home, the, the biggest challenge is ensuring that you're getting enough physical activity to keep your body active and healthy. So what I've been doing yeah. is I don't going to out do to the... What? No. <laughs> no, you know, within yeah. reason, you know, to, to the individual person's context, of course. Um, no, we don't. So for my, we don't do that. <laughs> my individual um, uh, situation, I have a, a wood, a, a small mm-hmm. wood that allows me mm-hmm. to go out and walk and sit. And um, right. so my practice has evolved in the way where I go to this wood and sit. Right. And listen mm-hmm. with that capital L. Right. And observe. And so here, here's, I'm, I'm going to press pause on your answer real quick. And I'm going to check in with Bradwick really quickly. Bradwick, are you awake? Yes, I am here. So what does all of what I'm still is saying sound like to you being a noob and don't give me that Charlie Brown womp, 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 womp bullshit because that is such an old trope I'm over it. <laughs> so what, do you understand 15 um, 60 82% of what she's saying what's your where are we at uh, well come on come uh, with the answers you <laughs> Probably 70%. Um, 
I guess. Um, you know, like, I don't know. I Listen, I don't know what I don't know. Let's say that. See, so, that's, I love that you even said that shit. Because it explains why noobs will give you this face. Like, I fucking hate you. Why can't you just answer the question? The fact is, there is no answer that a mouth can make that will make sense to your brain hole if you've never done the thing. Because let me describe to you the look on Aaron's face when the third time I said, okay, go downstairs and do it again. Because I swear this nonviolent pacifist was looking at me like, ooh, laryngectomy. I said, you're not taking my fucking throw it out. Okay, you're not. But so when I said go outside, don't listen, see, close your eyes, and take your glasses off, cheater, and open up your body like it was just one big ear. I want you to feel for things, and I want you to just pay strict attention. And that's when she came back, like, sniveling and the snot bubble. And <laughs> she didn't sound like that. That's what it sounds like when I cry. I have no impression of Erin because she's in control. When I the the reason why I'm saying this is because noobs, you will get frustrated, and you will want to give up. And this is the this is the long game. This is this is not you know the sprint. This is not the strength game. This is endurance magic completely. And usually it takes longer because you're using capacities, especially if you're in recovery from some other, uh, especially Abrahamic phase, where you will divorce yourself of any extrasensory knowing, but it's only the five senses they tell you you can have. Um, uh-huh. and, it's, and it's noobs have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and or having some type of new information show up in their consciousness that they can't explain how it got there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I mean. And, yeah, it's it's just... It's uncomfortable. I mean, how many times have you been uncomfortable, Peach, with how you came to come across a thing or an idea or a concept showed up in your brain hole and you're like, ooh, who put that there? Um, You know, many, many times. And it started (laughs) started long before... 
I met you. Like, there was, there was a dream I had, I want to say, in early high school. I was maybe freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had this dream, and I still think of it every now and then, because I swear to you, the... Um, I I am like 89.73% sure that Donald Trump was in this dream. And it it was an apocalyptic. I I tend to have um, end-of-world type scenario dreams every now and then. And this one in particular had revolved around him. There was something going on. We were all being loaded on to like blimp to get the hell out of wherever we were. Really? And I think of, yes. And and it, I have all those dreams kind of cataloged in my brain hole. Um, and every now and then something will come up and I'll be like, oh, shit. I right. I think I dreamed about that like 15 years ago. Ooh, that's weird. This is uncomfortable. What is this? Why didn't I know exactly. anything earlier? And then I get frustrated exactly. with myself because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I should be checking in with myself and keeping a journal. And, you know, I didn't know to do those things. And now things are popping right. up. I'm like, ugh, okay, well. I mean, and, and do you find that, where are my mints? I thought I had them over here. I don't know. This cotton mouth for no reason. Oh, wait, I drink a lot. No, I'm just kidding. I don't drink at all. I can't do it. Um, do you, mm-hmm. are you tempted to give up when you have that sense of discomfort or is it strictly a matter of if I want to know how to do the things that other people cannot, I have to be willing to practice or feel shit in ways that other people won't. I mean, or are you like, nope, not 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 hanging out in that space for five years? Nope. I mean, what's your what's your staying what's your staying power look like when it comes to uh, little self tests like that? Um, over the past several years, I've grown. I, I've become more adaptable, which I think is one of my just just one of my personality traits anyway is that I'm I've always been adaptable and when I'm presented with a, a feeling of like ooh where the hell did this come from what is this how do I explain right. it how do I dissect it even if I'm having one of my dreams that sticks with me for weeks and makes me so uncomfortable I don't give it up um right anymore I mean like years ago yeah sure I wrote that shit off like okay that was weird um, right. But now I, I will sit with it, and mm-hmm. I actually enjoy it because, first of all, life wasn't meant to feel comfortable. We were supposed to kind of be on our toes anyway, and I just, I, I like being in that slight, uh, that that gray area because it gives me an opportunity to learn gives me an opportunity to see how things work out. I mean, recently I've had had a a dream or two where where I've just been like, ooh, okay, let's 
sit on that, and I'm just going to pay right. attention to the day. Sure enough, right. little things started to happen here and there. I didn't say anything except to myself, just like, okay, there's that point, there's that one, there's that one. All right, now I have to go make this phone call because all four of these instances added up. i got to go make a phone call. And, right. you know, right. so... So not I don't only know. were I'm, you, I'm finding it fun. Well, well, because for you it's something reasonably comfortable. It's not completely overwhelming, which which it can be for some. And without proper support, um, which the majority of us, you know, are practicing without, or did at least, and things are changing, um, you hit that uncomfortable feeling and you spin on your heel and you walk right back out of it and go, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I'm abandoning that project and I'm completely done with it. Um, My sister does that. Right, right. And it's... you know, some some people can stand in that discomfort and be like, okay, but my curiosity and my wanting to pursue magic is greater than the discomfort of this feeling. So I'm going to stay here and see where this goes. Where Where am I going to? Now, I wouldn't advise actually projecting yourself anywhere, say, while you're working for, you know, like half an hour or an hour, you know, um, operating forklift. Uh, this is officially going to be known as a forklift episode, and I'm okay with that. I mean, there's some people have a tolerance for it, and I find that the, the long-timers who are not in it for the aesthetic um, – have a not just a higher tolerance, they go chasing after these feelings. And they're like, ooh, I don't know if this is, and I'm getting excited about it. I mean, you know who you are out there listening. See, yes, I'm talking about you. Um, but it, there's a certain appetite, we'll say, for um, testing and I'm going to say merging, very sexy word, merging with magic and the everything. And I think it was maybe even a month ago now, I was having another conversation about divination and participating with the everything. Um, And I'm known to do some crazy shit just like right off the cuff because I'm picking up something with my spidey senses with my witchy senses, and I will immediately try to fine-tune and dial in on that to see and learn and understand what that is and what it can tell me. But this is an acquired behavior um, that I have learned over years and years um, because I want to know, and that's just typically who I am. What I did not anticipate in opening a witchcraft shop in the center of small town USA um, was that there were so 
such an abundance of humanoid creatures that would come into the shop saying, I need to know what this is. I like what's happening, but I'm a little scared. It's like, you know, yeah, kind of that's how sex is. And they're like, what? And I'm like, what? So I basically move on to something like, would you like a coffee or tea or whatever? But it's, it depends on are you, you know what, yeah, do you have the thirst for magic? And this is exactly the same thing. Does your desire for the knowingness with a capital K lend you more towards listening with a capital L, you know, more often than the discomfort of it pushes you away. If you answered yes to that question, you may be (laughs) an excellent candidate (laughs) for magic and witchcraft. And you don't have to know all of the history of the different types of um, listening or impressions. I mean, there's, oh my God, there's, there have been classes taught on the Claire's and some of you know what I'm talking about already. Claire audience, clairvoyance, Claire's at the mall. I don't know what the hell all of them are, but I've done them. And you don't have to know the correct terms and you don't have to know, um, for example, what these terms are from the 1880s about table tipping and automatic writing and when did that first become a thing that was documented and was it happening before it was documented? Has it happened since it fell out of, you know, is it day classé now to throw the table? I don't know. I'm going to try it. As soon as I get out of, as soon as I'm birthed from the senior center, (laughs) <laughs> and go out into the world. I might throw a table just to see what I learned from the experience. I feel like I'm about to get banned from some places. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's new about that. I don't know. But some people are even, uh, you will find that when you are in a listening state, you will suddenly not be aware of or care what else is going on around you. You may find yourself noticing little qualities and feelings, just crazy minimal nuances of things. And then there will be shockingly obvious things to take note of. And, yes, I say take note because Bradwick's correct, writing these things down without trying to make them fit into some academic box of, you know, category. Just write these feelings down as it happens for you, because it's not going to be, like Amstel said, the same as anyone else's experience. You have your own way of assimilating knowledge, um, information, 
magic, science, whatever you want to call this unit of knowing that shows up in your brain hole through a way that you don't know how it got there. You don't have to name those things. If you're having the experience and you know how to write and actually are in possession of a writing instrument and paper or electronic device, whatever your preference, I don't care, you should annotate it, record it, document it, what have you, and send it to yourself like an email or a text message or whatever you want to do. Because when you're umpteen million years old, like myself, and you're sitting in the senior center because of quarantine, because of said virus, you're not going to remember all of what it was like to be 16, 35, or however many years old you were when you arrived at magic and magic arrived at you. So it is critically important to write all these things down. Now, let's talk about temperature for a moment. There are some dynamics of listening, which is what we're going to call it, um, that have measurable parameters, which you will see in a category of entertainment known as paranormal um, studies, uh, research. Bradwick, do you know a couple? I might know a couple. We might know some people. Do we know some people, Bradwick? That maybe. What kind of people? Look at all the people. At all the people. What kind of people can they be? Brad. Yeah, what? Um, yeah. Sing what? the song, Brad. I oh my God, I don't Megan. Oh. I need Megan. Never mind. You know what? You know who will sing? Megan will sing. Megan will sing. Okay. Anyway, Ghostfinders. Shameless plug. And uh, what was that thing that that you used to do, Bradwick? You were famous, yeah. Oh well, I mean, okay. I, well, that, I yeah. I learned only to say wow. to you. Wow. Um, that, that was, <laughs> I am moved by all of what you just didn't say. <laughs> so what did you used to do? Uh, so I, I, I was on uh, with Megan on um, the Ghost Finders, and we did do some uh, paranormal investigating. And shots of yeah. cranberry and a little drink on the job, I thought. Was that what I said? I, I, I did not. I did not. Oh, no. wow. <laughs> coughing. Uh, I feel no. like. Hmm. Anyway, so if it can be measured by technological device, you are only seeing, see how we're lacking verbs for this? Part of the picture. Because the body, the human body, is designed to anticipate and perceive changes in your environment that a technological device 
no matter how advanced, cannot pick up because it's not even aware of by the human mind as being a phenomenon or a thing that the natural human animal understands, a.k.a. those stupid stories they tell you about birds were slacking and foxes and bears were running past me and I just knew there was going to be a tsunami. It's like, you didn't know shit. You ran in the same damn direction as the zombies, and I know what you are. So that's anyway. I was a little violent just then. I'm sorry. But (laughs) my point is there are some ways that uh, some parameters of the knowingness with a capital K for the haps and the going on, goings on, of the everything, capital E, that you perceive with your listening or capital L, okay? Well, and that perception is primal. It is, it is fundamental. It is basic. Go ahead, Bradwick. And I'll get um, back to yeah, well, well, and those, those devices, I mean, going off of what you were saying, those devices, we actually placed in areas that we had already done like a preliminary search of. So we had already been in these, in these rooms right. to, kind of, to feel them right. out. So we actually placed right. technological devices based off of our own knowingness or, or listening um, just to further... Well, and, and sometimes the knowingness precedes the technology by hundreds of years. Yes. I mean, yes. you can have a house built in 1820 and not show up at your little Geiger counter, whatever the fuck you do, um, and start measuring shit until 2008, you know? So, right. yeah. But... Go ahead. You were making a point, and I cut you off. It was rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. My, I mean, my point was just to, just to piggyback off of you was to say that yes, those those devices are there, and they're not gonna. I mean, in some cases, they can you know catch things, but we use them to further uh, understand our knowing yeah. and listening at the time. So it was. Oh. Let's be clear, nobody ever won a grant. Well, grant funding doesn't come off of, I don't know, I just got a feeling that that house was not a safe place for me. I mean, you can't walk in and say, I'd like this $25,000 grant to study this thing that I felt won. Yeah, no. But if you show up, like the pieces of equipment that are used in paranormal research, yield measurable data that gets measurable dollars to study it more. You know? Yeah, it's kind exactly. of a hand and glove type situation. I mean, yes, there will be occasions where um, those who practice craft will learn something new from the measurable parameter, from the instruments that are being invented every day. And then there are those, and I do love this, so it's like 
cracking an egg over someone's head. It's just you can't. It's a feeling that you can't explain. When you watch someone who is used to techno-proof first experience witchcraft or listening, they're like, oh, my God, what is happening? This look. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's just, there's nothing that can equal that. I mean, I think it's hilarious, and I don't back off, man. I'm sitting there right there with my my box of popcorn, and I'm just watching it all go down, man. There's there's just nothing like it. You remember being creeped out the first time, don't you, Peach? Oh yes, yes I do. I. You know I, what? I, See I, now, you just sound staged. You're fired. No. Bring in the next in. Uh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my no I do like I had I didn't know what to do with myself I just started bursting out laughing and and they're like are you okay I said I said yes I said I don't know what else to do with the situation guys I didn't think this was really gonna happen yet here I am Posing in a doorway, and my body will not move. What the hell? This is great time, guys. This is a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's the people that are talking raw trash that I love best because invariably some shit pops off. And they're like, oh, my God, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And they're just like, I got to change my pants. You know, code brown, that kind of bullshit. So, yeah, I mean, that type of humbling experience is just, I live for that. I live for that. What can I say? So back to the temperature measurement. Now, women, because of misogynistic uh, violence, we'll say it that way, um, we are taught at a young age to either acknowledge or not acknowledge the messages our bodies give us about the safety of situations. Now, some of the guys will know what it is we're describing, but I think we've all been in a room where somebody's, now not to say that this is any type of sexual violence, it's just auditory violence. Let's talk about mother-in-laws. So you've been in a room where Somebody starts to get loud with somebody else, and somebody stands up out of their chair. I mean, this is this is typical Thanksgiving dinner level shit, or or winter holidays. Pick whichever winter holiday. Somebody's had three mimosas and decides to have an opinion about something you did, and you're just like, okay, tension mounting. I mean, you've taken what you've perceived. Some shit is about to pop off. That's a type of knowing. That is a type of premonition. I don't want to be here. I'm going to take a break in the backyard for maybe five hours and then go back in. When I know everyone's like either gone or just snoring on the couch. This is a way of knowing. Okay. But there's also been situations where those who are witchcraftily inclined perceive a temperature differential and it getting either hotter or cooler 
for the person who is directly involved and sometimes even people who are tangentially involved, like who are there witnessing the thing, but they're like, I'm not a witch. I don't call myself a witch. Okay, yeah. So that's a way of knowing that is more obvious. And certainly when you pay attention to these ways of listening and knowing. It's funny in show business, also magic and acting. Um, you are taught, and Dale Carnegie made bank off of this, how to read a room and how to feel a room and how to perceive with what muggles would call extrasensory perception. Cut it out. Cut it out. It's not extra any damn thing. It is hardwired and primal. It is built into our DNA. I mean, before electron microscopes, we didn't even know what DNA was. It was built into our bones and our knowing as animals to be able to perceive danger at any level and potentially advantages or good things at any level. And either you come from a personal or cultural context that affirms that or rejects that. And this is why I spend more time talking about concepts and breaking down barriers in your mind um, so that you can begin to understand yourself as a practitioner and start giving yourself credit for the things that you've already done, you've already known, you've already practiced, you've already pursued. So many places and practitioners and what the Hades Anyway, um, they will take points off and they will um, punish you or, you know, the, the least violence done is, you know, you didn't hear that. You didn't see the things you saw. No, that's not what happened. And it's like, yes, it did. Yes, it did. You saw what you saw. You heard what you heard. You felt what you felt, and even though you can't explain how that information arrived at your awareness, it happened nonetheless. And the only thing I love more than witching is arguing with people about it. It just makes me happy because I can piss them off. I like being mad. Being mad makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a little left of center, but where is center? See, right? So this is, I mean, the words that we're left with, the scripts, the scripts, the scripts that we're left with don't give us language to talk about these things. And I'm not saying I got language. I don't got language. I have some languages. But... It's something that is 
a perseverance game, an endurance game. Now, back to seeing the unseen and hearing the silence. Because when I put the um, post up, it's like, like zero five hundred this morning. Um, I talked about, you know, listening by omission. And what I meant by that is if you are a witch or you are someone who can read a room or feel out a conversation, then I can tell you now, you have what you need Listen by omission. What the hell am I talking about? What I'm talking about, strangely enough, is social equity, social justice, social equality, and that you need to take an inventory of who is not present in the conversation that should be or who is not being seen in the conversation reflected that should be. And that this is the burden, usually, of the white, male, cisgendered, heteronormative, soon to be minority, um, that they don't have to know their ways around this type of listening because privilege and advantage favors them. Okay. Anybody who is not uh, attached to the descriptors I just named, then you probably already have some of what you need to practice witchcraft. Yay! Give yourself a round of applause. But what I would impress upon you is to use this, and white women, I'm looking at you, Brittany, Becky, Karen, whoever the hell else. What is the older Karen's name? Brenda. Yes. Karen's mother. These types have a shit ton to learn. Why? Because they're using white-skinned privilege with their usually husband's male privilege to get just about anything they need in life. Okay, got to do with anything. In case you haven't noticed, there's a revolution going on. And people are scared. Now, you don't have to be a 33rd level reishiki master with, I don't know, three brow piercings to figure out that People are afraid. People are uncertain. People are being put out of their houses. I mean, you, the fear and the question are palpable. You can feel them. And it is the exact same way of listening to the world that you need to navigate the gauntlet of privilege and 
being disadvantaged. That's a funny word for oppressed. And the same thing is being witchcraftily leaning, occultist, pagan, heathen, what have you. There's a thousand different names. So I'm here as a teacher, um, officially, got a master's degree in education, to tell you that you already have some of the books, okay, where everyone else is trying to strip you of your knowing with a capital K, I'm going to say they can't because you were born with it. See, you are one of the birds or foxes or bears running in a certain direction. And sometimes I'm not going to sit here on the bus. Matter of fact, I'm going to catch the next bus. That's you listening to your listening and changing or modifying your behavior to make a different move and you're paying attention to red flags. Okay, now, here's what I'm going to assert. Ready? You get good at this thing and then you can start perceiving the green flags and following or chasing down and plucking every feather, no, maybe that's a little violent, of the opportunities. This is a place where I need to jump in. Something feels right about this. I mean, let's be honest. Number one comment about the shop is, ugh, I walk through the back door. And my shoulders just dropped. This place feels so good. You know, people would say, oh, my God, what is that incense? And it's always a different fucking incense because it was always a different fucking incense because I determined incense based on where I was at. Sorry, selfish. So... But you all already know what that is. You know when you feel welcomed somewhere. You know when someone is excited to see you and when they're not. And when you should get the fuck up out of a room because somebody's mother-in-law is about to get told by some carving knife attached to an in-law the shit's about to go down. So what I'm saying is that you need to be using your witching or your knowing or your listening to do as much work rendering social equality unto your brothers and sisters and all of us in between as you do, wait, did I already say, which part of that did I already say? Social equality and witchcraft. Pursue them both just as enthusiastically. I would lean on the side of social equality first and then do the betterment of yourself later when people's lives have been saved and secured. What I'm saying is that we see you 
even if you are invisibilized by the oppressive other, we can hear you even when you are silenced by the unnameable others. And we have a moral and I believe, well, for me, a compelling spiritual obligation to be inclusive, not just of, you know, which is pagans and otherly persuasion, but of all of these fake constructs of otherness. Some would call that xenophobia. I don't know. But we're about to have a revolution. We are having the revolution. And it is going one of two ways. Either backslide into the patriarchal abyss, which, one word, no, or we're going to move forward towards equality, which I say yes. Is it going to be scary? Yep. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yeah. But guess what? Sometimes you have to go downstairs three times in a fucking row before you hold out your arms and you accept that the world is more than just what you were told to perceive. A lot of that is built on the trust that you are missing something and that you need to hold yourself accountable to saying, I don't know what I don't know. Bradwick said it. Look at Peach. Peach, how long you been witching? Uh, four years. There's a question mark on the end of that. Do you really not know? What's the answer? Come on. Uh, four. Four years. Your answer is incorrect. Oh, Scott, wait. What? Hopefully. You have been witching all of your life. You just weren't calling it that. You were letting non-witches define for you what your knowing was and what your listening was and what you were feeling. That shit fucking sucks. But here's the thing. We're all on a continuum of don't know, trying to know, thought I knew, and let's try again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure as an educator, those are the four states of matter. <laughs> but I say this to say, just as a noob comes in all squirrely and, I don't know what I'm doing here, and I don't know what to get, and can I talk to you for a minute, because there's dead bodies in my basement, and, okay, listen, you got bigger problems than just weed alone can solve, but come sit here, and let's talk about it. But the discomfort you feel as a noob is only a slice of the discomfort that is felt by people who are mm, 
black and brown skinned or maybe Jewish or maybe vaginal people. I can be a vaginal American. You know what? That's, I'm going to be a vagina American. No, vaginal American. That has a lot of implications, and I say yes to all of them. Um, but those are all distinctions made by minds that are too small for the skull vault they can be found in. It's kind of like rolling a ball bearing around inside of one of those hamster balls. Yeah, you've known those people. I know those people. Yeah, 74 million of them voted for Donald Trump. Just saying. Listen for the voices you're not hearing. Ask yourself in the conversation within which you are participating, what voices are not there? Who are we not hearing from? I run a study group for the um, emotionally impaired. No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Um, I run a study group, and I ask with fair regularity, who have we not heard from? Who is missing from this conversation? Who have we not had on the podcast? Because I want it to become a habit of yours to not assume that simply because your voice is represented, that to hell with everyone else. Yes, self-assertion is great in making your little feelings known and putting them out there verbally and raising your voice. That's comfortable and acceptable for some of us more than others. But there's also voices who we would be a lot better off including that we are not hearing. And it is our job to educate ourselves on listening for those voices. But just as Bradwick shows discomfort in his level of proficiency or fluency with magic, there are people who are just as emotionally impacted by the chaos that we are experiencing, who need to be sought out. And that requires all of us. And it will be a much richer conversation globally because we're going to take that turn into progress and egalitarianism, otherwise known as social equality. There's work to be done, and there are omissions to be listened for, and a whole hell of a lot more patience and compassion that we need to have for ourselves and our fellow earthmates you know, the birds and the bears and the foxes that are all running from the tsunami. We're all running from it. We need to study up. We need to know what we're looking at. You know who knows a lot about this shit? Greta Thunberg. Greta's a witch. 
I'm going to say it, which is a verb. You know who's verbing? Greta. Greta Thunberg. I don't know how old she is. I think she's a senior. I know someone's going to Google it. Just put it in the chat. Um, she's witching. You know, I'm going to tell you again. Witch is a verb. And I personally, as a 33-degree wizard, meat curtains, um, reishiki master, uh, I'm going to tell you, I forgot what I was going to say. But that's, you know, that's hormones, right? That's hormones. <laughs> what was the point I was trying to <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you lost me at meat curtains. Um, <laughs> well, you're, baby, <laughs> I mean, you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> I mean, unless, <laughs> look, he just uh, muted himself in the show. That was just left the building. Oh my God! I, I have stirred up his his no his bronchitis. Oh my God! No, but um. <laughs> what was we, the point we were I was trying about to make? Find, we were talking about finding and seeking out. Yes. The, and that the this ones is who need help, for... which. No no which no 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 this... no! Up your, no oh. Pump the brakes. Back up your truck. You said the ones mm-hmm. who need help. Yeah. No, 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 no. That would be us. That would be ourselves. It is oh. our personal responsibility. See, that's where the white male thing fucks up your whole gold star gay thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like what the large print giveth, the small print taketh away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, the burden is upon the white folk to educate themselves on skin color disparities. See where I'm going? It's not the job for folk of color wearing white gloves and looking like some antebellum cast member shit to bring you your education on racial inequity on some silver-plated motherfucking platter. No. No. Just no. Benson, that shit is played out. Now, if you were born in the 70s, you will know what Benson is. It was a show. Go look it up. But the same is true witchfully. We need to listen in all the ways possible for the omission and then raise our voices on behalf of what's right, not on who can represent themselves and who can't. No, that's no. That's where we got lost. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I, am I, am I, are you picking up what I'm putting down, Bradwick Peach? <laughs> yes, yes. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? 
your inflection is speech. Oh, okay. So anyway, to talk about what happened to me last week, what I felt, what I learned, what I wrote down, and what happened afterwards. Because it's all related. All right, Brad, what you start? Um, you should always be prepared for me to put you on the spot. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I know, I know. You know uh, it. Well, <laughs> well, no, I was just, because now I'm I'm tying in everything we talked about tonight to uh, the fable as well. Um, if you guys, if our listeners have not heard the fable yet, you can simply go back to the last episode and listen to uh, and there read it, um, or you can oh, read it yourself on one of our multiple <laughs> social media platforms. Um, but Perfect. for those of us that have uh, that have read it, we're going to revisit that a little bit. So. <clears throat> Um, we'll try to feather you in, I, listener, women. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I mean, now, now, because I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about everything we've talked about tonight, and I'm trying to look at the our your 56 stanzas here, um, <laughs> and 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 see that it is tied in. I mean, we we talk <laughs> about in in the fable that, you know, the degree into which riches our leaders have flocked, you know, and on the door right. of Frau Parsta, the unwittingly knocked. Like, I mean, and, and that that did happen. I mean, the whole, uh, when we started, you know, the, the the racial injustice, I mean, okay, it's, it's been going on for a long time, but when the demonstration started in March, it was yeah. very evident that, you know, um, that the leaders had leaned all the way to one side, and mm-hmm. they they had flocked to what did I just say the riches and and stuff, and we were like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, capital. You know, so going to capital. <laughs> yeah, Basically. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, wait, which stanza uh, was he, it that you just quoted? Yeah, I'm doing that. Uh, Made me yeah, for them to be better. <laughs> um, that see, one see. was 49. Stands up 49. Oh, so close to the the switch. Yeah, yeah, we... close to the switch, which is where right. I I mentioned to you yesterday that there's a switch where I think you start putting more of yourself where, where you start writing again, if this is making right. sense. I don't, okay. Um, well, and let me, and let me just feather in the group. Um, if you have not listened to last week's episode, which I'm sure you're going to fix that. Um, there was a point, um, Bradwick Peach got all types of English major on my brain hole. And he said, um, the voice of the piece changes. And I said, what, 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 say more words to my brain. He said, 
um, there's a shift in tone. And I was looking at it, and he's like, I think it's just the last five or six stanzas. And so I looked at those, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. So I picked up what was happening in the last five or six stanzas, and I kind of backtracked, and I realized that it's exactly six stanzas. Um, Because for stanzas one through 49, I'm, as the writer, narrating a story about the Winter Queen, um, Frau Perkta, and Krampus on in the Krampen, because there's more than one. See, learning things already. But something happens at stanza 50 where... I'm done narrating, and I assume my voice as Hedera Bindwood, who is suddenly present in the room now, that I had not noticed because eagle-eyed Bradwick Peach saw it, you know, and said there's something funky happening around 4950. And, of course, me being the eternal learner, I had to go Scooby-Doo with that shit. Yes, and I am the Scooby-Doo. But Bradwick's the funky hippie. So, Shaggy, continue with what you were saying. <laughs> um, I, so, basically, what, when we were speaking about the, about the fable, um, I had come to, my, my interpretation of it was that Frau Perkta and, and the company had now come and realized, oh, shit, they act, they've been through enough. They went through hell in spring. Like, they, right. they, don't, they don't need this right now. And, right. you know, the, the, I think uh, uh, Cam because they're said listening. it best last time. Yes. And, and Cam said it best on our last show by saying that the company were like, be- oh, man. Primary. That was you? Yeah, yes. And it was it was yeah. uh Chimera's point that they were disappointed, like, Oh, we drove all the way out here and I don't get to ride the blah 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 and it was yeah. just and I was yeah. like, Oh my god, that's perfect. This is so perfect. But yeah, yeah. I mean putting those Yeah and those subtle things we notice, but go ahead. Well, yeah, and then, you know, there was that, and that Frau Parker says, okay, they have been through enough, but these guys over here, meaning our quote-unquote leaders, they've mm-hmm. all gained off of their pain. They've been doing the things that we normally punish, so have yeah. at it. Yeah. You know, and, you know. We need to shred There them. was that. Yes, and she was also saying that, you know, we did, even throughout all of the things that we've been through so far this year. Mm-hmm. Please don't let there be any more. There's only like 20 days left. Um, that uh, we had kept... Oh, hell. Well, that we yeah. had kept our houses clean, that we had, you know, taken care of our our, uh, our livestock, that we had the healthy ran the errands so that hands could be late, that we were doing all of these things to take right. care of ourselves and... 
she in the fable is mentioning that we had honored the old ways and the old gods. Right. And that right. because of that, we would be protected during this well, time. Well, not necessarily protected. Right. So right. much More as than. exempted. Because yeah. what what is Frau Perkta the goddess of? She's the forest. She is everything that lives in the forest. She represents the wild, the primal, right? So those are the, the laws that she wrote. She was there when it was written. Sorry, I'm quoting another movie. Um, but Frau Perkta and Krampus are both, they work hand in hand, and they are the original form of um, that oral tradition, not this bullshit that, you know, you see on whatever, doesn't matter. Um, but the people in the village were listening, capital L. Frau Perkta showed up and did her annual check, her inspection, right? The beasts were cared for, and all of the villagers were cared for. The elders were respected. The babies were scrubbed. I mean, everything had been thought about. Everything had been taken care of. Everything was prepared for whatever happened next. And that's why Frau Perk just said, you know what? There's nothing to do here. But (laughs) I know where you can go because I know where they're not listening. I know where they are neglecting both the planet, its inhabitants, as well as human animals that they put in these different stockades to abuse and amuse however they see fit. So, sorry, I just made my own point. I'm going to share airtime. Say words, Bradway. Well, uh, is still <laughs> still with us here because I... I think her and I do share um, another uh, common um, interpretation of this. And I want to hear what her take is. Because when we spoke, um, so what message were you getting off of this stable? Well, hello. Um, oh. Hi. Yeah, the. The immediate uh, message that I got off of it was that it was a message of absolute and utter protection of the everyday working class people. Villager, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've been meditating on it ever since I first heard it, and that has not left me, that message. Right, right. Where did you see yourself falling 
into either or both or neither group? You know, I've, I, I'm i still dissecting it. I'm still processing it. Me, um, me too. <laughs> it's... I'll, I'll, I'll be frank with you. Um, it's been, it's been haunting my dreams since I first heard it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I can't escape its influence and, um, particularly the part of the fable that's been really, um, influencing my dreams is the part of the fable where Perksa is telling the Krampen, um, the common people, the villagers, mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. at fault this year. We need mm-hmm. to go to the elite. Right. right. And yeah. I, I every morning since then I keep waking up and I keep questioning the definition of child. Right. Right. And Fifty-six stanzas. There's a lot to <laughs> to think about. Do you want Do you want to hear something funny though? The part that I obsess, and this is typical me, the part that I obsess the least about is the blessing stanzas. Um, stanzas thirty-nine, forty where Frau Perkta cast a hush, like when snow falls and hushes the sound, like in a valley. Um, Mm. She casts a piece in the village that they should be peaceful and feel comfortable in and protected and loved because they are interacting with the wild, which is what Parkta is. Um, And you got to check plus. I mean, the villagers got to check plus. Good job. You know, stickers. Ah. But stanza 40, that is the official blessing that she bestows, I keep blocking it out, and I, I, that says a lot about me and you, where I am in my process, and I know that. You know. Can I read it? Cause, real quick. Well, do we have time? We got. Uh, well, I mean, how much time? I have. I was just going to say that stanza. Yes. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yes. So. Well, yeah, okay. Is it Bindrun or Bindrun? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. It's a, <laughs> it's a Bindrun. Go ahead. Um, a Bindrun of justice formed a flake of pure love. She commanded these crystals heal the lost and unloved. Which is what we've been talking about all night. Yeah. And it is. what? And 
See, now I'm crying. <laughs> oh. Doesn't But, because you know, I'm we've exclu- been... Because ta- I'm not listening. I'm excluding myself. <laughs> Sam, I feel attacked. Fuck this show! <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I'll be honest. If it weren't for the fable, I never once ever felt until the, until this fable that Krampus was a protective deity until this fable. These dreams would have otherwise been a nightmare for me up until recently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, also, I was going to ask you, I was going to tell you to, I'm curious about your dreams because when that happens to me, if I have something that's like frightening, I find that if I figure out what, position I am in it during said dream, what the setting oh, is, where the character, what? I didn't know what you... Actually, we do have 90 seconds left in this evening's broadcast, so we will be cut off shortly, but if everybody would like, we could carry over to our uh, after show, if we can call it that. Oh, so the, so the, um, so the live listeners can listen, but the podcasters, this is it. For you, sorry. No, not sorry. It's quality. This has been quality. quality. Yeah, let's. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, got sixty let's, seconds let's... now. Yeah, let's conclude this part of the show. I would like to thank Amstel and Bradwick and Neve, our thank lead you. antagonist. Not antagonized this Uh-oh. evening. I'm sorry, but she will. Uh-oh. She will next time. Hmm. So. We're going to let Bradwick put us to bed, which is what it's called officially. And then what? We'll pop back over and do some Q&A or talk more about Umstel's dreams because I want to hear it. Yes, indeed. And if we're giving out thanks, I'd like to thank you, Hedera. Oh. oh. I, yeah. This is not authorized. <laughs> yeah, second, second All right. to that. Good night. Oh, my God. Um, so thank you. All right. Let's close it out so I can pray.
Unmuted. So yes, unmuted. Was on. See, you did it again. This is this is where injuries happen, right here, right here. Amstel was talking about, which I didn't realize, her preconceived education um, about Krampus was the Christianized version of punishment and quote-unquote demons and wearing the black fucking racist paint um, and that she was never able to consider who Krampus was. Probably had never, I'm going to guess, had not heard the connection between the Krampen or the Perkton, because they are called both Perkton and Krampen, um, their relationship with Frau Perkta, the wild. And that kind of gave me tingly to hear her reclaim the heritage of this piece, the lineage of this piece, that Krampen is the clause of the winter goddess, Perkta, of the wild, and that they're pretty much her entourage, man. They, they, what they punish is failure to listen. And I got, I got tinglys, man, to, to, to hear that, taking it back, you know? Well, for, so, Full disclosure, like, I, I come from the Deep South, but I don't just come from the Deep South. I come from a farm, right? Like, I mm-hmm. actually grew mm-hmm. up on a farm. So from mm-hmm. where I come from, like, you really, truly had to do your chores. It was a matter yeah. of life or death, right? Yes, and so yeah. when I meditate on this fable, I start wondering, I start questioning the definition of a child. You right. know, a child Who's can be, can a child be an yeah. adult? Yeah. Yeah. Meaning someone who's immature, who's acting like a child, can a child, can, and, and here, I'm using air quotes here, can someone, can a child act like an adult, be considered yeah. an adult? Yeah, you know, like what? What is it? What is actually a child? Because, like, again, yeah. like I come from the deep south, 
and I come from a farm. Like, right. mm-hmm. whether or not you actually did your duty was a matter of literal life and death. Yes. And an extension of that is, <laughs> I'm laughing so hard at this, prior to this fable, the extent of my exposure to compass was, I kid you not, the American Dad episode. Well, you know what? Education shows up in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> I mean, he does. He does. But that was my absolute no, first true, <laughs> true and genuine exposure was the American yeah. Dad episode of Krausis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Neve will tell you the emotional maturity in this household, I mean, belongs to Aaron and Johan. <laughs> I'm going to be deadly serious about it because I'm not bringing nothing to that game. My emotional maturity is probably 12 and a half. I think you know? it's more like social maturity. Your emotional maturity is much better. What do you mean? Like I'm improved? Do I get a fucking silver star or something? No. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like... Not with that tone of fucking voice. Being able to... Ha- <laughs> shush. Shush. I mean, like, having a conversation about, like, vulnerabilities and fears and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Emotionally immature people cannot do that. You can do that. What's immature is, like, I don't know, like, dick jokes when they're inappropriate. That kind of thing is what you do. But that's different than saying, Mom, I have this fear, and it's based on... Uh, some financial instability, and then you're like, okay, let's talk about that. Whereas, right. yeah, I would not, I would not say that that is uh, that you or I think this house is very emotionally uh, mm-hmm. mature. I think that socially, though, the maturity comes from Aaron and Johan because I well, do not crack a so, joke around that kid. Well, that's <laughs> right. you got it. Um, but back to Amstel's observation, what is the definition of nurture and who's responsible for that? What's the definition of child and who is responsible for that? What is the definition of even wild, a.k.a. savage, versus civilized. I mean, the listening, which is what I call it, to the everything and how knowing shows up, I try to use commonplace words. And yes, I have gotten violent over, you know, catchphrases and like stupid ass trending terminology. I just get violently ill, usually throw up. That's a thing. But these these are stories that can be simply told and improve um, our understanding of witching. If we just take a fucking second and do an inventory of our listening. Who are we I mean, are we just listening to ourselves or are we listening for 
other participation. You know what I'm saying? So I love your observation, um, so like, what the fuck is a child then? Because when you've done 16 fucking chores before 7 a.m., there's not a lot of room for fucking around with jacks and dice and shit like that. I mean, you're like, hi, I've got to feed my family now. I don't have time for this shit. You know, there is. You even mentioned that. Never shush. What? Well, it's funny you even mentioned that because if you read Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer, as much as he engages in quote-unquote tomfoolery, he still gets his work done. And he's handling his business. Whether or not not he's the one who actually gets it done is aside from the point. The fact of the matter is his business gets taken care of. Right. Well, that's a lot broader, more than can be said for some of the other people. I'm scratching my hair here. That's a lot more than yeah. can be said for some of the other yeah. people who are in charge here. That's all I can say. Well, and are they in fact in charge? But that's a question better handled for another podcast. Um, yeah, that's 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 a question for another time. But I, I think to the to the larger commentary about pagans and paganism um who's the wild and who is savage because these are terms that were used for those of us who could not be converted to christianity no matter what belief system we came from if we could not be converted we were deemed stupid instead of intelligent beings who chose no. And so looking at Frau Perkta and her decision, her judgment of civility, I mean, it adds a whole nother layer to understanding where our fucked upness lives. It takes a whole reboot, man, to appreciate what is savage. You can hold your nine to five. You can go to your Christian church and still be an emotional fucking savage. And for some of us, that has been true. You know, I'm I'm reminded. Um, so my my father, he passed away last year. Yeah. And in 2019, he is from the deepest, darkest pits of Kentucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1961. Mm-hmm. He has stories that was handed down to me from the deepest, darkest the- regions of Kentucky. And there are stories that he told to me that if there was a man that was not mm-hmm. providing adequately for his family, that the community in the middle, in the dead of the night would gather and would drag this man out in the middle of the night and horsewhip him 
and forced mm. him to chop wood. Right. And it was symbolic of making him cut uh, to. It was a it was symbolism of making him to provide for his for his family. Yes. So. But you know how the world is. You know, unless right change accompanies the "I'm sorry," is it really remorse? <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, I mean, when you have a group of like twenty something on men, you know, drag you out of bed in the dead of like you know two, three a.m. and make you cut, you know, split wood, horse whipping you. I get it, but does it? But does it make meaningful change? Change. Does you know it make what I meaningful mean? change? I, I had no. That's just frontier justice. That's the word for it. Right. Right. So then this looking is what at, they did back in the 1920s, 1910s. So looking then at what the Crampton, the Perkton, were set loose to go do, I feel like that's meaningful as hell. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, see, the Crompton were were set loose to go disembowel you and stuff you full of straw and stones. I feel like it's on the same level. If you weren't it's providing just... for your wife and your children, it's yes. also now. You are not accounting for the safety of the 330 million fucking people in this country. You don't get to say that you are, and you sure as hell don't get to shake your finger at what you call savage because you got it twisted. And personally, imagining the cramping with their claws being the claws of Falparta, I mean, just thinking about them being eviscerated, I don't know, gives me a holiday tingle. Well, and, and that and that's just it, you know. Like it, when I was a, when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, you know, your your history teacher, your social studies teacher would be like, "Okay, children, go research what Christmas is in other countries," and you know, you'd right. get assigned this random acting country, and so you you know right. you find this obscure right. web page on Crompton, and you'd be like, "Oh." like freaked yes. out and you'd have no context yes. or understanding. I'll be honest, I was creeped out because I had no understanding of it. Right. And um then I then I you know read the fable and, and meditated on it and then I was like, yes, this is a protective deity. This is a deity <laughs> that comes out, looks for the individuals or the people or the groups of people that are not pulling their weight, that right. are the blights on society, and seek yeah. to remove them. Right. Well, in it's Bradley, like taking a lancet to a boil and draining the pus. Yes, yes, yes. And I, Bradwick was like my care, my first responder because when I. <laughs> When I wrote this, I wasn't, I don't want to say I wasn't paying attention 
I wasn't present. Let's just say that. Um, because when I returned to it the next day and read it, I was like, oh, my. And I said, I sent Brad a text and I said, can you call me on your lunch break? Can you do that? He's like, what's wrong with you? I said, just, just, just send me a call. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, no, seriously, Brad, but tell her, I, I was reading this for the yeah. first time. And it yeah. fucked me up. Yeah. I mean, she, I, I called, and she was still talking about Bradwick. I wrote 56 stanzas. That equates to one stanza every two minutes. How the fuck did I do that? Well, you <laughs> and, know what? And Aaron told me that. I didn't even know. Aaron oh, told oh, me so, that. Oh. I literally wrote nonstop for two and a half hours. I weirded out in front of Neve, and then I slept for six hours. And then... It wasn't until that evening that Aaron said it's 55, 56 stanzas. And I literally, didn't I puddle up? Mm-hmm. And I almost started to cry because I, I couldn't believe that I would bring forth all of this. I mean, I knew in that moment that it was truly a divine experience because no logic right and to think that I was worthy of that really challenged some of my shit which is why I blacked out on stanza 40 I guess Um, (laughs) no I mean seriously right and well yeah and when we were reading it together like you, yeah. every time I made a connection or an observation, I would read it back, and your response was normally, "Wait, it's, I said that? I wrote that? I don't like you couldn't believe that you wrote it. You still didn't think you did it. I didn't know the it piece. Was, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like, wait, we were supposed to read page 256? I was reading chapter 7. You know, it's like, that's how stupid I am. Literally in the wrong book. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know this piece, and it, which meant I was gifted something. And I was like, I get a gift from Frau Brighton. And I just lost my shit. I was just Chris Griffin just then. I sounded like Chris Griffin. Family guy. Okay. Yep. Bradwick. Say more words. Uh, well. Um, I like hmm. the throat clearing before the... <laughs> oh, well. Well, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Did you cry? Um... Did I cry when? Whenever. It's, we've been in lockdown for 39 weeks. You have to be more specific about when. <laughs> oh, no, I still have a baby at this point. See, I'll have my little my little yeah. smoke baby, like Melisandre. <laughs> Not even a smoke baby. Like, I, 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 I actually know people who have had babies at this point. 
with yeah. um that's quarantine. Back I to, want, yeah, Bradley. I want to revisit a topic of that 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 was found within the fable, and actually, Amstel, you brought it to my attention first. Um, what in ours? Yeah, so in <laughs> ours, <laughs> she's so surprised. I'm actually really surprised because um, I'm like the most random person ever. So I'm really surprised I actually brought I'm, something to someone's attention. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. What is it? it what it what was, stands up, Broadway? Oh, well, it wasn't a particular stanza um, in our study group. Um, um, so you had mentioned that, and this was before you had your dreams, which is interesting, but you mentioned that you had a feeling of hope come from Yes. Yes. Yes, I and did. I and I still have that yeah. feeling. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So this is interesting that you had the – the dream that you said was kind of scary and stuff, which I think has changed now, correct? No, I will actually, like, go ahead and say what you're going to say, and if y'all want me to, I will totally elaborate on that feeling and the feeling I continue to have about hope. But continue. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, well why don't no, you, so I, I did why don't you I, tell I, her I, what happened to me with the, when I was like, hope? Oh. What the fuck? Okay, okay. So... No, you don't I have to. Have, but. I'm going to. <laughs> Unless you don't. Yeah, want I'm going to hear. Like, I'm totally curious now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. No. No. <laughs> no, I had, because I had talked with her there, like, almost immediately after I saw that. And we actually, together, kind of read, went through the fable again, kind of started dissecting things. And I mentioned because I think you saw like in our study group Hader was like, What do you mean? I gave you a hope, don't I don't deal in hope. That's fake. I don't know what you're talking about. And Right. <laughs> I remember that. I had <laughs> reinforced that idea during my conversation with her by saying that I completely understand that feeling and I also have get that feeling from the fable. And I cited many a stanzas, stanzae, <laughs> um, where they, that hope, huh? Stanzae? Wait. We can go I... with that. Stanzas. Okay. I, I just, <laughs> um, I could see several different examples of where that hope came to be. is mostly towards the end, uh, where the village was being spared. Um, but I do mm-hmm. want to hear about your thoughts on on the hope within this piece because um, during my conversation, I don't, Hader didn't understand how we were getting the sense of hope from it. And I, I know that you felt it first. I wanted to hear your interpretation of that. It had to be explained to me because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I absolutely adore that you and I have completely, like, I'm going to preface my um, theory with this. Like, I absolutely adore that your concept of hope is completely separate from mine. Like, we got... Yeah, yeah, it would have to be. Like, your concept of hope is towards the end. My concept of hope was, like, 
brought towards the hope, to, uh, the craft, and we were like, but mom, I really want to, like, you know, disembowel <laughs> people and throw pictures as well. If you really want to go after someone, I guess these corrupt politicians in D.C., you know what? Fair game. Game on. Totally. Well, <laughs> and it's not even that my 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 feeling of hope um, was towards the end. I truly did not know what you and Bradwick were talking about. And I said, this piece is not about hope. This piece is about eviscerating Donald Trump. That's what this piece is about. And that's hope. And, the hope well, that he will stay, that he will face justice for his crimes. Well, that's cool, too. But the knives, though, you know, and the blood and the disemboweling. Like, I wanted retribution. Right. I want to avenge. Exactly. So my exactly. mind, has, right. you know, it's got so much fewer words inside my head than what comes out of my mouth. Like, and, yeah. and, and I don't mean to be really dark and triggering, but I like I'm, I am no, I am a yeah. woman, and I have been mm-hmm. attacked by other men, and right. I have been attacked in such a fashion that um, mm-hmm. the men who have mm-hmm. attacked me have attacked me in such a way that it has escaped the law. Right, and there has been no chance of justice. Okay. Right. Like, that, that's right. just the way the world works. So when I, I well, read this fable, when I heard this fable, this is a fable about a divine being going after yeah. an individual who has yeah, the equalizer. a single... What was that? Right. The Equalizer. Do you remember right. that show? Yes, the equalizer. Yes, well, I mean, not exactly yes, a equalizer. show. Like, I don't watch TV, but I mean, like, I I'm from the south, it so was, we, we call it equalizer or something else. But yeah. Well, there was it was a London dude in the first version of it, like this this trench coated, you know, London fog trench coat wearing, super sleuth type thing, and then there was um, I think it. In the 1990s or 2000s, there was uh, Denzel Washington played the Equalizer, and he is from where? What? Where was that character? Was he down in the American Southeast, or was he? I can't remember. But Justice can show up looking like Krampus, and it's bloody and horrible, just like. You know what I mean? I was I was just I was really excited when I got to sit with this piece and like read it. Cuz right, I wasn't exactly. reading it when I was yeah, when I was writing it. Um and, but and I will tell was... you um I wrote a poem because of my conversation with Bradwick about hope. And I took to explain myself because I felt like when he asked me, you're joking, right? I said, no, like I I didn't understand his confusion now. So 
I told him that I learned to spell act before I ever learned to spell hope because hope was not a thing for me. Yeah. It was not a thing for me. So, so I wrote a, um, a poem to explain myself to him. Um, and I will happily send a copy along to you and Bradwick was equally stumbly about my poem as he had been with uh, the fable that I wrote or not that whose hands I was not English. No. Okay. I wrote it. I didn't read it. I didn't know it until later. Brad knew what my (laughs) ship was talking about first. And then I wrote a poem to explain myself to Brad. And here we all are. Well, my, my confusion largely rests with um, a folk figure yeah. that in mainstream consciousness existed as a um, bloodthirsty, vengeful um, right. manifestation. Like, how could that right. end when you were explaining it and and going over it? Thing. This is a protective deity. I'm like, how in God's green earth could that ever fucking possibly be a protective deity? Because in my mind, I'm going over these Victorian images of Krampus right. beating the ever-living right. hell of children. Right. I'm like, how is that a protective deity? And then right. you go over the fable, and then I come back to my upbringing of being on a farm, and it's like, right? Oh, oh my god! Right, right, right. Krampus isn't actually going after children. Right. Krampus are going after the people who aren't shearing the sheep. Krampus is yeah. going after the people who aren't milking the cows. They're going after the people who aren't bedding down the goats, who aren't repairing yeah. the holes in the fences. Exactly. Because, right. Because we're talking we're about isolated populations of people in the Aspen Mountains where you can't, you have to rely that. on each other. And the people who are well, your absolute enemies, the air quotes, your enemies, are the well, and lazy, slovenly people. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the real yes. threats aren't necessarily, yeah. you know, the wolves and the hourly people. It's the people who are not, quote, unquote, pulling their weight. So, yeah, yeah. that's what you're going to tell yeah. your children. If you don't do yep. X, Y, and Z, the Cranston's going to come and get you. You're going to have a 260-pound goat man with his basket jonesing for your ass. <laughs> it is not just what you're going to tell the children. It's not just oh, yeah. the children. He's not just going to come after the children. He's going to go after right. Joe Schmo on the corner who can't, you know, get off the bottle. Right. Exactly. See? You are picking up what I'm putting down. But, All right. You know, and maybe, and maybe, you know, and poor, and I feel really bad because, you know, the poor guy who's got a really bad, huge alcohol problem. Maybe, you know, 
he's going to go after the poor guy who can't put down, you know, the alcohol long right. enough to put, you know, pull his weight in the community. But he's also going right. to go after the guy long enough who can't put his addiction to money aside long enough. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Like this. This you is know. De- this is this is truly like it, and and that is really what I have to say with this fable at its heart. Like I really have to thank you. This is truly a protect deity because this is a deity that goes after the heart of individuals who are more or less parasites to society. And and I mean, and we're humans. Like we have hearts. We we have empathy. We're like, but we understand why they are the way they are. We understand why so and so has an addiction. We understand why so and so is the way they are. Crampton doesn't care. But you know Crampton knows. Um, so we are, yes, I am crying. We aren't just giving ourselves back our heritage and our self-sufficiency. We're giving a perspective to Brad. We are sharing what it's like to be a woman today uh-huh. in this world and to still be lacking a deity of justice. And I want that justice to look like Crompton. And it's, I mean, you telling me that I've given you back a deity that was yours to begin with gives me the gift of knowing that you have someone now. Oh my because God, you cry on me? It's, it's, it's a big deal. And it's, it's why I didn't understand how big the shop was getting because I didn't understand that so many people like me did not have advocates and they were not safe. And so I said, all we need to do is love them and hear them and Uh. listen for the omissions and make a fucking cup of tea we deserve it. We deserve that. We have always deserved that. I, and and you know, I am really like I am really really angry and frustrated right now that we are not physically next to each other. That I can't hug. I you. know. If Fucking I was COVID. Next I to you, I would hug you. I know. I know. But we're each giving something to each other. Because like at the end of the day, I am so thankful that you have given this to me. It and it's not that you me. have given this to me. You have returned this to me. Yes. Yes, it's yours. It's yours. All of this is yours. And if someone's, you know, whispering these words in my ear to write, and if divinity is and it, showing me things, then I share it because and, it's ours. Exactly. And and it's not just me that you have returned it to. I can't even begin to number the and 
the number of listeners who are tuning into this that feel the same way as I do. It's not that you have given this to us. It's you have returned this to us. It was and returned to me, and it's ours. It was exactly. And I am, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm so emotional to a point where I'm actually disassociated. Whoa, whoa, this. whoa, whoa. We don't apologize for this libation. <laughs> we are. We, I'm not. We are, I, I didn't <laughs> I'm going to check you at your shit. <laughs> and I'm going to say, you're so kind to me. You're so emotional. Where you're like, I have to cry. And my body is physically, like, coming down. And I'm like, I'm not crying. I'm so calm. And no, I'm this like, is sacred yeah, well, shit that's now. because of, like, I'm just associated. Yeah. Like, this is happening. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, um, the point that I'm trying to say is just that you have, you, you are in a, you have been given the honor by our deities to return yeah. something. Yeah. And to, I'm. To a, a, to a population. And I am so thankful and grateful. And I am in the position to be able to say this to you on behalf you. of myself and 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 our listeners and other positions of, of, of individuals who are not able to say that. Thank I'm you. so roasting you when we get back to the stage chat, I swear to God. <laughs> I'm so ready to cry. I, all I, all I want to say is thank you. Like, this, like <laughs> if my mother ever taught me anything, Okay, you if she ever taught me anything, it's like, did you, did you say thank you, Amstel? <laughs> did you, you say thank you? <laughs> you are, you have said thank you, and I have heard you, and thank you, and you are welcome. Brad, you may have the floor. <laughs> um, You're going to? Wait, are you crying? What? Well, I, listen, listen. Um, no, I was just, I was also thankful, uh, to have just borne witness to that interaction between the two of you. And it was very genuine and sincere and, and, and moving. And I can, I see it in the fable. Stanza <laughs> really? 41 and 42. The I'm people go back who learned. That now. Hold up. Hold Where, up. Hold, All right. So, <laughs> where is it? I'm gonna read it to you. Stanzas 41 okay. and 42. The people have learned that what matters most is to honor the living and revere all our ghosts. To gather and secure and share what we have. To safeguard our kinfolk and make our bonds the South. And there, you actually... Fuck you, Brad. I'm going to do it. You Brad, read that so to me yesterday. And, or, yeah, it was yesterday. And like, graphic. like, this is like a list. This is a laundry list. And we're being told to do something. What is this? Well, you just did it. Like you just did part of that right here with Amstel. You know, you 
are sharing what we have, sharing not just the fable, but the magic and, and, and the deity and making the bond right here, the South. Because that's... You can't see me what, right now, but I, I'm making with my hand an yeah. air, a, 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 a heart. I love oh. it. <laughs> I can't, a heart sign. I'm, phone, but I'm doing like a half heart. <laughs> so you did, there's that. Now, Bradwick throws up his gang sign. Uh, and we borrow cat. <laughs> if, if we take this cat <laughs> and my half sign and the tears from my eyes and the snot from one half of my nose, I'm pretty sure we've got that salve right here. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, my God. You should collect those tears because I'm pretty sure you can uh-huh. use them as, like, a spell or, like, sell those for, like, I want to be done now is what I said. So I'm glad that works. I'm glad that works for you. Daddy. Uh, <laughs> keep your fucking privilege to yourself. I'm just kidding. I love you. You are a pleasure. You know. Yeah, okay. I'm done now. I'm going to hang up first. You- Fuck you all. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night. Y'all have a good weekend.